take your Bibles, if you would. Children, you can be dismissed at this time to the children's and toddler churches. And they'll all be coming back at the very end of the service. We have a little unfinished business, we might say. Uh, The Brinkman family was sick on Christmas Sunday and so could not join us. And so we're going to try to uh, uh, get that uh, finished this morning. And uh, so just uh, lots, lots of things going on today. Uh, Students are headed back to Heartland this afternoon. So if you want to say goodbye to them, uh, do that and pray for us as we travel. Uh, Brother Franz will be preaching tonight. And uh, then uh, uh, Thursday night, Brother uh, Lee Palman, and then pray for us as we travel back. We picked Brother Clayton up in Ohio on the way out. So pray for patience on his part. There'll be 13 people crushed in the van uh, with Brother Clayton, and we got to drive about 13 hours on Monday to finish the trip. So just uh, uh, pray for all of the traveling and everything that's going on. And other members of our church are going as well. Uh, the Newburgers are leaving uh, this afternoon as well. And this is a new year, and uh, last year our theme was about faith. And this year, as we just prayed about things, uh, the verse kept coming, Be still and know that I am God. It's, it's one thing to know who God is. It's another thing to know God. Uh, Paul put it this way in the book of Philippians. He said that I, the, the banner on this side, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I, I, I don't understand so much of what is called religion today. So, so many people they go and, and nothing happens. The one that frustrates me the most is those that believe in a God. And I don't know how else to put it. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I just want us to think about this honestly and truly. As millions, in fact, they claim over two billion adherents to the religion of Islam. And yet their God is so small that they have to pick up weapons and defend him. Now, that could get your head cut off in certain countries as blasphemy against their God and His prophet. But I want to tell you, no person who truly believes this book called the Bible has ever picked up a weapon to defend it. Because this book defends itself. The number one black market item Now, if you listen to the world, they'll tell you it was Levi jeans in the former Soviet Union. But it was this book. There was more work done. There were more Bibles brought in. I I love the story. I actually met the man that had a part in it. He had a a calendar program built onto a computer. uh, and, And it was all embedded in a disk. And uh, he went over to communist China to a software convention that was hosted by the government. And you put the disk in your computer and it looked just like a daytime or calendar type thing. Keep track of things. And then 30 days later, a screen pops up and says, Would you like to print your own copy of the Bible? You can print as many as you want. 
and, and they passed out literally thousands of these. In fact, when people found out they were just looking at the calendar program, when they found out they were free, they almost mobbed the uh, the little kiosk at the thing, and so the communist guards were called over. The Chinese army was doing security, and they stood there and guarded these people as they handed out free copies of Bible publishing software. Now, I don't know what happened to it. Uh, I, I do believe that the best way to do things is straightforward and honest. Amen? And the simple truth of the matter is, as we look at everything in this world today, this is still the answer. This still has a solution. Psychology has filled mental, mental institutions with people that will never, ever be right again because of the medications they were given. And we know and understand this. And yet you can get peace of mind from this book called the Bible. How many, how many lives have been lost and innocent people suffered because of the peacekeeping, quote unquote, of United Nations forces all over this world? one of the most murderous organizations in all of history. If you want to be afraid of something, be afraid of the UN peacekeepers. If you've ever read the stories in Africa and the Balkans and different places, it, it's, it's a terrible, terrible tale. And yet, if we were to take stock of this morning of just people that are in this room, they come from a background of nations that once warred against each other. And together we meet in perfect unity and love because we worship the same Savior from the same book. See, this is where the answers are. It's not. And, and, and I want to challenge you, these, these sermons are, are going to be Something that if you don't stop and really think and, and contemplate the scripture that is taught, you're going you're gonna to miss so much. The, the question I want to ask this year is not what you know about God, but how well you know God. There's an illustration. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus loves his church. And he's given us a physical working picture of that. It's called marriage. You know, there's a lot of people who live together all their lives and never really know each other. And yet, there are people who enjoy a true, deep love relationship based on what this book teaches. And that's what God wants with every individual. That's what He wants with our church. And it doesn't happen accidentally. True Christianity cannot rub off on you. It cannot be yours because you were 
born into a family. It's got to be a personal choice that you make. And I want to also, I want you to think about this. Everything that happens is predicated in our society, as it's reported, everything that goes on today that we know about is predicated on a, a undeniable truth that God is, does not exist nor does He care about what goes on in this earth. That's why global warming is such an important thing. You see, if there is a Creator, that means we don't have the power that God has. And we can't destroy His creation. Yet how many articles? If you, if you don't stop driving your car, you're, you're going to destroy the world. Well, how many lives have been lost trying to save the world? It's amazing to me. I read an article years ago uh, about uh, Yellowstone National Park and how fragile the ecosystem is and how that they need to limit the number of visitors and you can't go here and you can't go there and you can't do this. And, and then they had a picture of one of the park rangers taking a bath in one of the hot springs. And uh, then the quip under the picture was, well, if everybody did this, it would ruin the park. You can't do this, but they can. You know, I have found... That to be universal. In Soviet Russia, it was only the Soviets that had the privileges. In the world of academia, it's only the elite and the really smart people that the laws don't apply to. And if you want to know where it all goes back, it goes back to a philosopher. His name was Plato. Now, we don't want to blame everything on the Greeks. Plato was just reflecting human nature. You see, Plato's republic doesn't work without slaves. And this utopian world that everybody's trying to create cannot work without slavery. Look at China. Look at Islam. Look at all these countries. And what I want you to do today is understand that there is a God and that He hasn't gone anywhere and that He wants us to know Him. But if you're going to know God, it's got to be His way, not yours. See, everybody in this world wants help. Isn't it true? And be really honest with you, is there any one of us here that doesn't need help? You know, the, the, the most arrogant person, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. Everything you have, God's given you. And if you'll just stop and recognize that fact, you can live a life that actually makes a difference.
Amen? And so I want us with those thoughts in mind to read Psalm 46. Just 11 verses. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Psalm 46. I hear the pages turning, so we'll wait just a second here. Start over again, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the world be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake and with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear asunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. (coughs) I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Now, as we look at this psalm, we need to take just a moment here and understand a few things about the form in which it was. The word psalm simply means songs. And these were written that they may be sung in praises to God. And that's what the little... um, uh, uh, notation there, if you have uh, a Bible that has the full printing under Psalm 46, it'll say, The confident which the church hath in God to the chief musician, for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. And, and those were instructions. People think they know what they mean. No one really knows for sure, other than this song was to be uh, reserved For the chief musician, for the sons of Korah, this was a special song to to be sung in the temple as part of the worship of God. And uh, someone, uh, the the main gist of the the song of Alamoth is supposed to mean uh, a song that is sung in high soprano. Uh, The lady choir was supposed to sing this song because they wanted it to to carry, and, and uh, someone said, well, that, that kind of confusing with the sons of Korah. I'm not sure. I'm just telling you what I read. But the most important part here is Jewish poetry is not like English poetry. English poetry is meant to rhyme. And, and the syllables are supposed to line up. So 
Everything in English poetry is about the flow. Everything in Hebrew poetry is about the thoughts and the ideas that are conveyed. And so, instead of rhyming or contrasting words, Hebrew poetry rhymes and contrasts thoughts and ideas. And so, I want us to look at this psalm and kind of take it apart if we can. We start off with, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And uh, we get down to verse 5. It says, God shall help her, and that right early. Uh, Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see that word selah there. Uh, That just means stop and think about it. Oftentimes we'll say amen. And what we're saying is, uh, I'm in agreement with what is being said. I'm thinking about that. And and I'm pondering, and that's how the word Selah was used. And it's used in this uh, psalm uh, twice. In verse, um, in verse uh, 3, it stops the first thought and gives us that to think about. And then we come down to verse 7, which is the second thought, and it is complete. And then we come down to the last, and it ends with that word as well to make us stop and think. And so we're going to divide this psalm up into its ideas. And the primary idea of this psalm is verse 1 and 3. God is our refuge. Now, we hear that and we say, oh yeah, that that sounds nice. Well, let's just look up the word. And, And here is the definition out of the Oxford English Dictionary. Shelter or protection from danger or trouble. Sucre sought by or rendered to a person to give refuge or aid to one. Now, the word sucre simply means in a, it's a military word to step in and protect. Uh, if you've ever seen any old American movies, everything is lost and all of a sudden here, the bugle call and the cavalry comes over the corner and saves the day. Well, that's what sucre is. Sucre is military intervention to protect, to save, to help. Refuge is a place to hide. We talk about taking refuge. We talk about giving it to people by protecting them and helping them. The Bible says God is our refuge. God is a place to hide. I remember talking with a person who believed in evolution, and we got going back and forth pretty good in the uh, conversation, and finally he looked at me and he says, you just put God in the equation and everything works. I said, you get it, don't you? I said, it's all about God. Everything's about God. And, uh, and, and he, uh, you just take the easy way out. I, I said, no, I actually, I don't. Because if God is my refuge, that means I have responsibilities to recognize him for who he is. That, that God is not just this benevolent force that we can get on our side or on, on the other side, uh, uh, um, God is our refuge. It's shelter or protection. 
What do you need protection from today, my friend? Could I challenge you? The number one thing we need protection from is the judgment of God. Because of our sin. That's why the Bible says in the book of Romans, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In James it says that we're tempted when we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. And when lust bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth what? Death. The wages of sin is death. We forget that the biggest problem we face is God's judgment that is aimed toward us because of our sin. Whenever I talk to someone who's not familiar with the Bible, who, who believes in a, um, another type of faith, the question I love to ask is, what does your faith do with your sin? What does your religion tell you happens to your sin? Most of the time, they'll get down to a point to where, well, God just forgives it. He just forgets about it. And I always work toward that point because that's where I want to step in and say, you know, the Bible doesn't teach that. God does not just forget your sin. He doesn't just sweep it under the carpet. He doesn't just say... I understand that you can't deal with your sin, so I'm just going to be a good guy. You know, that's what's gotten our society in so much trouble. We think that's good, just to forget about sin. God never did. He didn't forget about one of them. They're all written in his books. Could you imagine that library that records every sin of every human being? In all of history. And yet, when a person comes to Jesus Christ for refuge, someone has to go down through that book and in every entry, paid in full with the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, God's perfect in His accounting. We think our greatest problem is the president-elect. I think our greatest problem was with the one that didn't get elected. Amen? That's just my opinion. The election's over. So I'm not endorsing or unendorsing a candidate. But I will tell you this. That's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is our sin between us and God. If we don't get that solved, nothing else matters. And let me just ask you a question. If every person driving in New York City tomorrow, if we somehow did this, where only people who had a right relationship with God could be on the highways for one day. Do you think things would be different? Stop and think about that. 
Now, that's not going to happen, and I'm not proposing that to happen, please. But if you just stopped and thought about this, if people had their relationship with God right, their relationship with everyone else would be different. And so when we talk about God is our refuge, it's a place to hide, it's a place to protect us. The devil loves to put you in a place where the only way out is sin. When you know that, when you find yourself there and start thinking that way, you need to know you're in the wrong place because that's not the way God works. Never, ever. And, and we'll get to the solution. Part of it's be still and know that I am God. Sometimes doing something is worse than doing nothing. Sometimes we have to learn to depend on God. That's the idea of refuge. How many of you, I'll raise my hand because it happened this week, have been troubled by some series of events in your life and you were just trying to figure it out and it just frustrated you to no end? Is anybody else there? Okay. You're alive and that's good news. Amen? And you're doing something. Well, if we understood that God is our refuge, when we get frustrated, we can hide in God from our sin. How about from ourselves? How many of you gotten yourself in trouble? Just open your mouth and bad things follow. It happens to all of us. That's why James says the tongue is an unruly evil. No man can tame the tongue. Only God can. That's why he's our refuge. A place to hide. Amen. And we're going to go on and, and, and the psalmist is going to give all of these great, incredible a cataclysmic events in our in nature and in in the world in which we live, and he, he he's going to say, "I'm not afraid." You see, God is our refuge. Number one, number two, and strength. How strong is God? How weak are we? I like the illustration that a teacher gave in, in Bible college, actually. I don't even remember his name now. It was a long time ago. But he was trying to explain how Jesus was all God and all man at the same time. And so he took a pencil. And he said, we're just going to take this simple pencil and, and use it to represent uh, the human nature, man. And then he snapped it. So that's what happens to man. Then he got out a little tape and a little tiny steel rod that wasn't even as big as the pencil was. And he taped them together. 
And he said, this isn't a real great illustration, but it puts across the point. You see, God can't be broken. God can't bend. And Jesus is God. And yet he's man. And you see, God is our strength. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you when you seek God as his refuge. You can be bent and broken very easily. But God can't. Just like taping that steel rod to the pencil. He loans us the Holy Spirit until we get to heaven where we'll become one with Him and we'll be restored to the way He created us. He is our refuge. He is our strength. Now, this last one is the one we have the biggest problem with. And it's a summary of the first two. You see, this is the main thought that is going to run through this entire psalm and everything that David is going to deal with here, uh, or the writer of this psalm, it's not really signed. We believe David wrote most of them. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Now we have a comma. This is what we call an appositive in English language. It's two things that are saying, God is our refuge and strength. God is a very present help in trouble. Now, that word very is important. Not only is God present, He's very present. Our problem is we miss Him as we go about trying to figure out our problems on our own. As we trying to rely on human reasoning and human understanding. And I'll tell you, all you got to do is pick up a newspaper. And if you're not troubled by the things that happen, there's probably something wrong. Uh, maybe you're just not reading the paper. I mean, it's the only news that I know of is terrible. And you see... It says that God is our refuge and strength. He's here. He is a very present help in time of trouble, in trouble. Your calculator is not going to get you out of it. Visa MasterCard aren't going to get you out of trouble. They just get you in deeper. God is very present. And then the psalmist goes on here. And he says, Therefore will not we fear. I love the wording of my King James Bible. That makes you stop and think about it, doesn't it? It says, Therefore... Because God is our refuge and our strength. Because God is a very present help in trouble. Because of this, will not we fear. How many times are we afraid of things? I want you to know I am not afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of what might be in it. Amen? That's why I like the light.
And I, I'll just tell you, fortunately, I've never met anything in the dark that I really needed to be afraid of. You see, it's as though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. If global warming were true, and it's not, but if it were true, I don't need to be afraid. Because I have a place to hide. I have strength. And a very present help in time of trouble. Let's look on. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. He says, no matter what happens, I am not going to be afraid as long as I'm hiding in God, as long as He is my strength, as long as I am relying on Him for my help and not my own abilities or someone else's. I don't care who the human being is. They're going to let you down someday. But God will never let you down. He's not capable of it. But if He's going to help you, it's going to be His way, not your way. It's going to be His strength, not your strength. Amen? And so, now we get to the word Selah. Stop and think about this. No matter what happens... God is our refuge and strength. And I want to tell you that He wants to be, but He will not unless you let Him. God will not be your help unless you rely on Him. By the way, if you don't know enough about this Bible to know what to do, how is God going to help you? The answers are in this book. How many times has someone called on the phone and well, I got this great problem going on. And said, well, I wish you could have been in church Sunday or last night because I preached on that very subject. Well, that's not going to help me now. Oh, yeah, I know it's not going to help you now. But I, I want you to understand if you were where you were supposed to be, the message that was there actually deals with the problem before you had it so you could have gotten the help that you needed before the problem came. That's how God works. But if you're not there, He's not going to help you. Now the psalmist is going to move on. And and it sounds like he's saying something totally unconnected and really out there somewhere. This has got to be poetry. How many of you have read that foolishness they print in the subways called poetry? Poetry in motion. Oh my, I just wish it would go away. Uh, I... I have to, there's just something in me. I have to read that stuff. And I'm sitting there going, I can't, I can't comprehend the twisted mind that would write this foolishness. And the one that really astounds me is someone put it in print and put it up there as something beautiful that we're all supposed to like. How many of you like the poetry that we're working on today? I mean, it actually has some help here, some meaning. And this is not just poetry, as he said. There is a river. He wants us to think about something. He's taking us to a place. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place. 
of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Ah, so here's the second thought. How many of you have any idea what the name of that river is he's talking about? How about the river of life that flows out of the city of God, the new Jerusalem? Uh, That's what he's talking about. And here's why we know that's what he's talking about. Turn with me in your Bible to... um, uh, Revelation chapter 22, last chapter of the Bible. Now the Psalms, most of them were written uh, while David was alive. Few of them were written by Moses. Several of them were written after the return uh, uh, to the land, after the captivity during the days of Nehemiah and Ezra. But verse 1 of chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits yielded and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Now let's go back to Psalm 46 here. Just keep your finger. We're going to go back and forth a little bit, just comparing Scripture with Scripture. There is a river, and the streams whereof shall make the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles make glad, I'm sorry, the city of God. If we read in Ezekiel 47, it talks about this same river coming out of the throne of God. And it's going to proceed down to the Jordan Valley and flood that entire Jordan Valley to the Dead Sea. And there's going to be fish in the Dead Sea. It's going to heal the waters. You see, God's talking about the time and the place where He rules this world. We call it the Millennial Kingdom because it's going to last a thousand years. And the psalmist is saying, God is our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's our strength. He's our very present help in trouble. But there's coming a time when there's not going to be any more trouble. If you're still in the book of Revelation, skip back to chapter 21. It talks about the tabernacles there. And in chapter 21 and verse 22, it says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of the God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. 
And it talked about there be no more war. And the na- verse 24, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. You see, the psalmist was giving us a prophetic look into the future. He was letting us see that this God who is our refuge, that this God who is our strength, is preparing a place for us where there will be no more war, where there will be no trouble. If we were as interested in preparing to live with God in eternity as God is, we would live far different lives than we do. Verse 6 says, The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. Does that not describe our world in which we live? We always have somebody yelling and screaming about something. But here's the answer. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. How am I going to get to that city? Number one, by resting my soul, getting saved. Taking care of the number one issue, the judgment of God. That's what the Passover was all about, as we studied in Sunday school. Hiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do I live for Him in this world? It's not by my life and my strength and my wisdom, it's by His. Amen? He is a very present help. He is here if we'll just rely on Him. And the heathen are going to rage, but that comes. there's coming a time when it ends, and we cut into this third part. And this is the action part. This is, he says, listen, God is here. God will help. God is our help right now. He is our refuge. He is our strength. Now he puts against that thought, there's coming a day when there's not going to be any more need. For God to help us in trouble because we're not going to be in trouble ever again. We're not going to be troubled by anything because God is going to be ruling and reigning and and it's going to be a time and that's where the tears are going to be wiped away and there's not going to be any more death and all of these things that are promised in the Bible are going to happen to those that have sought refuge in the Lord. To have relied on His strength instead of their own who have taken the issue of their salvation and given it wholly to God. Verse 8 through 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations He hath made in the earth. Look what God has done. Arguably the most powerful empire in the history of mankind was the Roman Empire. Can I ask you what's left of the Roman Empire? Just some ruins. That's all. In fact, the Romans murdered the Christians in the tens of thousands. No one knows the exact number. But before the Roman Empire was ended, 
Its own emperors claim the name of Christian, though that's not all they lied about, I'm sure. You look at the great powers that have stood for evil in this world. They're all gone today. Who would have thought in the 1970s that an American president would stand at the Berlin Wall and say, tear this wall down and it would have happened? Who could have imagined such a thing? I grew up in the 70s where they would make us crawl under our desk and and practice for a nuclear attack and and sitting there going, what in the world good is that going to do? It's not going to protect you, but they made us do it. Put your hands on your head and, 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 oh my, how how many remember that? You're admitting your age, but that's okay. It's, so this building is a fallout shelter. I have no clue where in the world you would get any protection from anything, because the windows all open to the outside air. So, hey, somebody came by and nailed the sign up. Uh, what good does it do? I'll tell you, God is my refuge. God is my strength. One day, He's going to take me to a place where there's not going to be any more trouble. I'll rest in Him and use His strength until that day. But while I'm living in the time that the heathen are raging, I'm going to keep my eyes on God. Because no one has ever had the victory over him. Look at the next verse. He maketh wars to cease and to the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. God has destroyed every army that has ever stood against him. Then we get to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. How many of you have a problem sitting still? I do. I, I, I love the fact that I'm the preacher. I get to stand up and walk around while all of you have to sit down. Amen? Being still. Uh, I think it was uh, Assurance sang a song years ago, Be Still. And, and uh, we were joking at that time with Stephen uh, because Stephen couldn't sit still no matter what. And, and uh, he still can't sit still. It's, it's hard to be still. It's hard when the heathen are raging, when it seems like our life is falling apart. It's hard to stop. It's hard to stop doing things that hurt other people, that hurt ourselves. You see... Here's what the psalmist is trying to get us to understand. God is our refuge. He is our strength. 
He is a very present help. He is right here. He is the answer to the problem. It doesn't matter if the mountains fall into the sea, if the whole earth were removed, He's still going to be there and we can trust in Him. And there's coming a time when that new Jerusalem is going to descend out of heaven. It's going to hover over this earth. And all war is going to end. But if you'll just stop and look at the great armies that march the face of the earth, every one of them has fallen by the wayside of history. Why can't we just see what God has done? Look what He did to Egypt. That's what the psalmist is referring to here. In their days... Possibly he was talking about the armies of the Assyrians or the Babylonians. Who here even knows what a Babylonian soldier looked like? I mean, I've seen pictures in the books, but I couldn't draw you anything that would even resemble what their armor was. Most of us know what a Roman soldier might have looked like. And, uh, of course, we know what the stormtroopers looked like in World War II, if you know history at all. But they're all gone. The only way the warriors of Islam can fight today is by hiding in women's dress and driving trucks and doing things that have nothing to do with warfare at all. Just terror. We need to understand that God is in control. We have people in this country making decisions that are so against God and against truth and against everything that is good and right. I have a friend, and I won't call his name, but he is so concerned. He's trying to pass a constitutional amendment demanding the parents be parents of their children. And I have to say, I appreciate his enthusiasm. But I don't appreciate what he's trying to do. Because if you won't be a parent because this book says so, no constitutional amendment's going to help you or motivate you. And I don't want the government to help me be a dad. I'd rather have my refuge and my strength. Stephen asked me this week, he said, Dad, how come you didn't kill us? He said, I'm just home for Christmas break and, and the frustration level is right here. I said, you were worse than they were. He said, that's what I'm saying. How come you didn't kill me? God is my strength. And sometimes just being still saved your life, son. No. But even the psychologists tell us, if you're about to blow your top, just stand still. Count to ten. Ten. I'm done. Okay. Wait a minute. What problem do you face that is bigger than God? 
So, well, well, none of them, but, but they come close a few times. Only in your mind. I'm going to tell just one quick story and we'll be done. Many of you remember the story of the purchase of this building. We call it the Miracle on 35th Street. God did some incredible things. The synagogue sold us this building with a $100,000 down payment and held a $600,000 mortgage for three years at 0% interest. Orthodox Jews. A private mortgage at no interest. You sit there and you go, how did that happen? Well, we only had one payment a year. It was just 200000 bucks. And if some of you remember that first payment, uh, we had been raising money for several years. We had 60 some thousand dollars into a bank. It was Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Some of you wonder why I love that place. They raised $44,000 for us at a preacher's meeting. That gave us the first half of the payment. Two weeks later, I got an email from a man. It said, well, you made the first half. I'll make the second half for you. And so we had our $200,000. Next year wasn't as much fun. In fact, the next year was what I call terrifying faith. Because November 1st came and we had $50,000 in the bank. There was some time when I just, I, I like to put it this way, I found out that the lock on the office door works both ways. You can lock yourself in so you don't do something stupid. There was nothing I could do. Bob Mack, my brother-in-law, was here and missionary to Ivory Coast. He said, you just need to call that guy. He said, he already gave us 100000 He said, just call. And so we called. And I found out later he loved to do this. He sent me a little email says, checks in the mail, hope it helps. Now what is that? That's all it said. Those that know the story know that the check was for $150,000 and it did help just a little bit. I called the rabbi when I saw that check and I said, uh, we had another miracle on 35th Street. We got all your money. And I could hear him just going, rats. He, he wanted the building back. He, he thought he was going to make all that money. And then get the building on top of it. Well, you know what? God stopped him. Being still is not relying on you. Being still is stopping the brain. You know, that little thing up behind your eyes and between your ears can get you in so much trouble. How many of you have ever thought you knew what somebody was thinking only to find out they were not thinking what you thought they were thinking? And I did get that out right. Be still. Because God is our refuge. He's not going away. He's still here. If you can rely on Him for your eternal soul, 
You can rely on Him for everything you face. The psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help. He's here. If He's not helping you, it's not God's fault. It's yours. He's taking us to a place where there will be no trouble. And so until you get there, you look what God has done. It'll give you faith to believe in what God will do. He said, the best things, that the greatest things the world has done, He's brought to naught. Just be still. How many of you know what it means to be saved today? To have your eternal security in the hands of Jesus and not yours. That's what those words uttered on the cross, it is finished, is all about. If you don't, you can know that today. Not based on a hope so, but based upon the very words of God. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. What does it say? Thou shalt be saved. That's the greatest problem you face. But you don't know those people I work with. No, I don't. And don't introduce me either. No. I'd be happy to witness to them. Because that's the only help I can give you. That's the only help I can give anyone is what's in the gospel. He's taking us to a place. But until then, i got to stop trying to figure things out on my own. Trying to make things happen. But i got to pay the bills. i got to work. i got to do this. All I want is to just be happy. Hey, wait a minute. I wish I had a dollar for every person that told me that. And then... Destroyed their lives by being obedient to the disobedient to the things of God's word. Don't you think that God, who sent His Son to die for you, would want to do more with your life than you could ever possibly dream about or think about doing? If you've got to accuse someone. Would you not be willing to give God the benefit of the doubt instead of yourself? That's what this psalm is talking about. Be still. Hardest thing in the world to do. And know that I am God. Because it's not you. It's not me that's keeping me saved. It's God that's keeping me saved. It's not me that's keeping me sane. I had a person one time was struggling with thoughts and they just told me, he said, well, you're just, you're just stronger than I am. I said, no, I'm not. I'm a human being just like you are. Said, but God is stronger. And you see, when I rest in Him, it really doesn't matter what anybody else does. It's like the pencil tied to the steel rod. You can do anything you want, but you're not going to break it. Because you can't bend the rod. See, 
That's why he starts out with, God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help, and he ends it. The same way, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. What did you think and pray about that during this coming week? Selah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we look at this psalm and just 11 verses and oh, so, so many things in it. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to apply it in our hearts and lives as no word spoken by a preacher ever could. And Lord, that we would just get ourselves out of the equation for a moment and start understanding what it means to have a refuge and a strength, a very present help in a time of trouble, a God that is with us. The verse we love to quote, and they called his name Emmanuel, being God with us. Lord, we thank and praise you for your love. We thank you for the promises that are in your word. And Lord, we thank you for these next few moments that we can just stop. Maybe some people need to slip out of their altar, out of their seats and be still at an old-fashioned altar for a little bit of time. Lord, we pray that as a church, as individuals in that church, that we would be still and know that you are God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.